0: If you've got your Bible with you, do you want to turn to Matthew 14? When we get together in our site, we are looking at what it means to be a disciple, what it means to make disciples. Those are the two things. But first of all, I just feel, Rushworth, God would say, you have chosen well. Sure. So, we're, we're going to have a, literally going to have a wonder through Matthew 14, the story of Jesus and Peter walking on the water. We'll have a little tiptoe around the rest of the Bible, come back into the passage, we'll pick a few things out, and then we'll wrap it up. The aim is to do that within our, our, about half an hour just after. So, maybe a little longer than we'd normally do here, but do you know something? It's the Word of God we want to be fed by it and stirred by it. So I'm just going to pray and then we're going to kick in. Father, I thank you for an opportunity to get into your word this morning. Thank you, you've been with us and stirring us already. And I pray you do it again through this passage. We want to hear from you. We want to know what you have to say to us today. Give us hearts to hear. Give us hearts that are soft. Give us hearts that will take seeds and see plants produce great fruit from this morning. Lord, help me to bring your word to us. Help me by the power of your spirit. Amen. Amen. So we're going to look at a famous story here. We call it Jesus walking on the water, but it's Jesus and Peter walking on the water. And um, we might as well get straight into it, but in our household, well, some people in our household like drama. <laughs> reenactments. Because this is a familiar story, so we're going to make the familiar a little less unfamiliar so we can get into it more. So in order to do that, I'd like some people to act out the story as I read it. So I need, and you can be of any age, but if you're young, particularly this might help you, I need, I need a Jesus. Anyone want to be Jesus? Isabel, great or volunteer, well done. No, no, all right. A Jesus, this is not about your character or your spirituality. This is no qualification required apart from just to... Basically act out what I'm saying, Jules, thank you. Um, no, no one else is volunteering. Huh? Oh, here's Jesus. Come on, Jesus. You can stand next to me. Peter, he wants to be Peter. You have to be good at pretending to drown. Toby's shaking his head. He's like, okay, Josh, Joshua, you can be Peter. Um, and then I just need a couple of people, maybe three, to be disciples. Your role is limited and small, but very, very important. Rufus is the disciples well done Rufus right when I read the story you don't have to say anything you just have to do the things that I say okay here we go so Jesus has just done some preaching and Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go ahead of him to the other side this is Matthew 14 verses verse 22 so um, you go and get in the boat if that's all right, Peter and disciples thank you Um, after he dismissed them he went Jesus went up onto the mountainside by himself to pray this is you Lily When evening came, he was there alone, but the boat was already a considerable distance from land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them. So he walked to the door and back again. He went out to them, walking on the lake at a surprising pace. When When the disciples saw him walking on the lake, when the disciples saw him, they were terrified, Rufus, can you be terrified? That is a t- look of terror there. <laughs> <is> proper terror. <laughs> it's, a, it's a ghost, they said, and cried out in fear. Jesus said to them, take courage, it is I. Don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come to you on the water. Come, he said, do a sign for Come. Then Peter got down out of the boat, walked on the water, and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, I mean it's wind, you guys can be the wind and waves. When he saw the wind, he was afraid and began to sink and, cry- and cried out, Lord, save me! Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You... Bring him him up a little bit now. (laughs) You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, go and find a boat to climb into. The wind died down. Oh, you've done that already. The wind died down. Then those in the boat worshipped him, saying, Truly, you are the Son of God. Thank you, guys. I feel like it came to life. An amazing story. What are we going to get out of this story? Well, let's first, let's, let's get into the physics of this story for a start, okay? What actually happened to enable Peter to walk on the water? Now, I, I mean, this is irrelevant to any point that we're going to take home. Absolutely irrelevant. But let's just think about it anyway, because it's fun. Did the water harden? Is that what happened? Like iced up, but not without ice, like solidified. Or did God somehow suspend the Lord's gravity, and Peter and Jesus are floating on the water? Or did they change their molecular structure so it was no longer heavy but light? What happened? Who knows? I don't know. But what happened is that Peter's faith seems to be the key in the midst of this. Because Jesus says this to Peter, oh you of little faith. And it's not plural you. It's singular. He's talking to Peter. You see, Peter walks on the water, and I'd love that to have him up on my CV. Would you like that on your CV, you know? Civil servant, church leader, walker on water. It'd be a great one to have, wouldn't it? Be amazing. And I'd be going like, Peter, great job, mate. You walked on water. Let's go up top. High ten. Let's go. Well done. Fantastic. But Jesus says this, you of little faith be awkward and what he actually says or what Matthew captures it as is this word called oligopistos one word it's not a phrase one word oligopistos and you know something that word did not exist until Matthew wrote it down in the gospel if you go through and search all the ancient greek documents which i did of course <laughs> you will not find that word it did not exist and so there's a particular phrase that is really important that Matthew wants you to capture oligopistos little faith and it seems less of a phrase or you of little faith the more a name you of little faith not the first time that he uses that phrase or that word sorry we jump back into Matthew 6 and verse 30 the sermon on the mount he's saying do not worry about how you'll be clothed do not worry about this and that. He says, Oh, you of little faith. So to the crowd who are listening, he says, your little faith. Your little faith, because you're not trusting God to provide for the basics of your life. Or later on in Matthew 8. When the disciples are on the boat in the middle of the lake and Jesus is sleeping and a big storm comes and they wake him saying, Jesus, do you not care? We're gonna die! We're gonna die! And he wakes up and goes, You of little faith. Oligopistos. Little faiths. He speaks, and the wind dies down, and the storm stops. It's a word that is important for Matthew, it's important for Jesus, it's important for us to get hold of. Now, what is he doing when he says that? Is it a bit of name-calling? Little faves, little faves, you're a bunch of little faves. <laughs> I sense that's not the character of God. But he still says that about them, little faiths. Back in year two, when I was eight years old, is that right? Year two, eight, seven, eight, that sort of age. It was sports day, a proper sports day. None of this... Activities in teams, and someone might win somewhere if someone gets the maths right because all the teams are better together, and someone eventually comes out as the winner. Everyone goes, Hooray! Someone vaguely won something somewhere. It was a proper race. <laughs> 50 yard dash. You knew who was the fastest, you knew who was the slowest. Everyone knew that. I had a full assessment of my speed. My twin brother was the fastest in the year. Jamie Strong. Same birthday as me and my brother. Lived three doors away. Very strange. But true. He was number two. Maria Prue down the road. She, her birthday was on September the 10th as well. A row of houses. Four people, same birthday. Strange. Irrelevant, but strange. <laughs> I was number three in the year. So I was prepared to take the bronze medal. The race started. The guns... No, we didn't have guns, did we? The teacher said go. We started racing. What became clear towards the end of the race that I wasn't third fastest in the year I was in fact seventh fastest yes that is the right response because as I crossed the finish line tears began to flow I ran straight to my mummy mama mama I put my head into her dress and cried I wasn't third fast. I thought I had a, a sober assessment of my speed I didn't Peter steps out onto the water. What a man of faith. No, little faith. God wants his disciples to have an accurate assessment of their faith. Peter, you were little faith. For me to increase my speed, I needed to know how fast I was. To improve where I was, I needed an accurate assessment. For Peter to be a man of faith, he needed to know he was a little faith. That the big faith he thought he has, in fact, wasn't a big faith. It was little faith. How big is our faith? Right, we're going to take a little dance through the scriptures to work out what this faith thing is. It's a little bit elusive, isn't it? You know, we have the Hebrews thing. Faith is being certain of what you hope for and sure of what you do not see. You're like yeah that doesn't really help me it kind of tells me around it so we're going to drop into a few passages ask a few questions of the scripture and see what it says to us and then we'll come back to Matthew 14 so this is a bit of a whirlwind we'll go a little bit quickly you might get a little bit lost that's fine just grab what you want to grab grab what you can grab how does faith help us relate to God how does faith help us relate to God Hebrews 11:6 6 this without faith it is impossible to please God if you do not have faith, you cannot please God. I want to please God. How do I please God? You need faith. Contextually, that is about salvation. It's about knowing the favour of God through faith. It's about trusting in God and knowing his righteousness coming upon us so that we can please him. But what's the rest of Hebrews 11 about? About all the ventures and adventures and steps of faith that these heroes take. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. Where does faith come from then? Romans ten seventeen, Faith comes from hearing the word of God. Previously, the NRV would have said. It says now, by hearing the word about Christ. Faith comes from hearing the word of God. It's impossible to have faith without hearing God. It's impossible to please God without faith. So we need to hear God in order to please him. To have faith, we need to hear God. Now, we have the Bible, the Word of God. And fundamentally, if you want to hear him, we come to the Word of God. He speaks in other ways as well. We haven't got time to go into that today, but if we want to please God, if we want to have this faith, where does it come from? It comes from hearing God. We'll come back to that. How big does our faith have to be? Here it gets a little bit confusing. So I will try and make it less confusing. Let's go to Matthew 17. And verse 20. Now, verse 19. This is when the disciples have tried to heal a boy with a demon, and failed. The disciples came to Jesus in private and asked, why couldn't we drive it out? He replied, because you have so little faith. Here's the confusing bit. i tell you the truth. If you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move. Nothing will be impossible for you. You can't cast out this demon because you've got so little faith. All you need is the faith as, a, as small as a mustard seed to move a mountain. What? Doesn't, so is their faith smaller than a mustard seed? The, the smallest thing they'd probably know at that time in terms of identifiable seeds. I don't claim to have all the answers on this one. Let's just check it out a little bit, though. The word, um, the word little faith here is not oligopistos. It's apistia. A-pistia. It means... It can mean lack of faith. But it can also mean absence of faith. So if you jumped into Mark 9, verse 23, you'd read the story of this boy, and Jesus says, all you need to, sorry, this man, all you need to do is believe and your son will be healed. And he says, Lord, I believe. Help me in my unbelief. The word unbelief is the same one here. Epistios. Little faith, unbelief. So it might be more accurate to say, because you have unbelief or lack of faith you can't cast this demon out but if you have faith as small as a mustard seed you can say this mountain move so how big does it need to be how big should our faith be in the smallest possible form god is still able to use our faith to do what he wants to do we need faith to please god we need to hear god to have faith how big does our faith have to be not very big at all what does it actually mean faith now we've done this before here i've done it on a sunday morning this is one of my favorite things to do the word faith a pistou, it is literally a pistou, not a pisteu, sorry faith means belief trust and faith those three elements are the same word in our new testament And it has this sense of putting your whole weight on. So I have faith, I believe, and I trust in this chair when I put my whole weight on it, okay? I'm trusting in it. It can take my weight. So when we talk about faith, we talk about saving faith, it's about that. I want to trust totally and completely in Jesus. I believe, trust, and have faith in God, so I put my whole weight on him. I put my whole weight on the cross for my salvation, for for my righteousness, so it's not just an idea or a concept it leads to an action we hear we have faith it leads to an action it may not look like staying on a chair it may be a behavior or a thought or an intention but something changes something happens for faith to be realized one last one We've we stop our dance through the new testaments romans 4 3 abraham believed faith pissed you abraham believed god and it was credited to him as righteousness there's something about faith that draws something it grabs something it's like a a fishing rod where you cast out and you get hold of fish and you pull it in faith seems the means that god gives us to bring into being things we hear god we trust him we take an action and faith brings this into being. For Abraham, that means righteousness was credited to him. For many heroes in Hebrews 11, those things that they believed God for came into reality. Some of them died still believing for it and they came into reality after their death. Such was their faith. Still a bit elusive though, isn't it? It's still a bit hard to really get a hands on what this faith thing is. Let's Dig into this passage to get a bit more. I've got six things very quickly to go through. Okay? And the first one, in some, the first one and the last one, I would say is the most important for us today. And the first one, unfortunately for us, is a deduction rather than a strict exegesis of the passage. What I mean by that is I'm putting a few things together to arrive at a conclusion which I think is godly and wise, but it doesn't exactly say it in our passage. Okay? I think Jesus wants us to grow broader in our faith rather than just increase our faith. Now, for the disciples, this is what's happening with them. They were having their faith broadened. Ye of little faith, believe me for provision. Ye of little faith, believe that I can control the winds and waves. You of little faith, believe that I can allow you to walk on water is broadening their faith. Now I've got a, a, a possible uh, slide to come up now Let's see how the girls in the back do. We sometimes think of faith like this. I need big faith and I need to believe God for my salvation. I need to believe God that, that, that Jesus has died for my sins and my faith needs to grow so that I trust him completely and totally for our salvation. I don't want to be a little faith. I want to be, have big faith. Of course, that's true. But I think what God wants us to do is this. Next slide. Next slide. Next slide. <laughs> piff, puff, poof. Right, have a kid say the magic words abracadabra, piff, puff, poof. The slide will change. Da 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 da. Is it Brock? If if the slide comes up, what I have listed is lots of small bars covering loads of different areas of our lives. Let's pick up on what John said. There may be fallow areas in our life, and normally a fallowed area is where faith is not being exercised. Where we've moved into functionality, or we've moved into fear, but the disciples, Jesus is going to broaden their faith and say, I am interested in more than just salvation. I'm interested in every single part of your life. I'm able to act. I'm able to bring about miracles. I'm able to do things in every single part of your life. The slide is up. In your health, in your money, in your work, in your school, in your family, in your hobbies, in your holidays, in your car, in your home, your house, in your diet, your food, and your friends. The list is broad. God wants us to have faith that He is interested and able to act in any area of our lives. So, which area of your life follow? Which area of your life has hardened up? Which area of your life have you said, God, you can't go there? I can't believe you for that. I'm just going to park that over there. That's what me and I just deal with on my own. But not for you, God. If God says little faiths to Peter, and he says if you have faith as small as a mustard seed, you can move any mountain. If Jesus walks them through different areas where he's able to do amazing things, I think we can draw out this conclusion. He wants us to have faith and believe him and hear him for any and every aspect of our life. how we spend our free time whether we're playing or doing sport how we spend our money or our lack of money or our excess of money our health, our relationships how we deal with crises how we deal with historical trauma have we parked those areas off and said no, not there God, I can't believe you for that has it gone fallow, has it gone hard that was number one. The, re- the next four will be quicker. To grow our faith, to get hold of faith, we need to hang on Jesus' word. We need to hang on Jesus' words. Jesus said, go across the lake, so they go. That's an easy bit. Go across the lake, go. And then, do you notice what Peter says? He says, if it is you, Jesus, tell me to come. He doesn't just go, oh, I think it's Jesus, I'll have a pop out and see how we go. woo No, he's looking for Jesus to speak to him, to give him the faith he needs to step out on the water. He's desperate for Jesus to command him and direct him. He's desperate to get hold of faith, to know this is what God's got for him. Tell me to come, Peter says. Come, says Jesus. Peter goes. It's very simplistic, but that's faith in operation. God speak to me he speaks we go in broad areas of our life so when it comes to reading the bible I don't know how you approach this maybe you are fully into the kind of I have to do this I have to do this when I was eight years old I misunderstood what my dad said I I thought he said you will die if you don't read your bible every day So I religiously read my Bible every day because I thought I was going to die. He meant spiritually you would have a lack of life if you didn't read the Bible. But some of us can to do it that way, I've got to read this, otherwise I'll die. And there's fear in there. Some of us read it because it's a habit. Some of us read it because we want some rules to follow. Some of us read it because we know we need a guide. But I'm going to just put it in this context today. If we want to live a life of faith that pleases God, we've got to hang on Jesus' words. We're going to be desperate for him to speak into our lives. And this is the primary way he can speak to us through his word. And so we can come with faith to believe that God will produce faith through reading the word of God. Peter hung on Jesus' words. If we want to grow our faith, we need to hang on Jesus' word. To grow our faith, number three this is, Hang around Jesus and see what he does. Bit easy for the disciples here, isn't it? That's how their faith grew. They they just spent time with Jesus. Hung around him. We can do that. We can do that through praying. Psalm 71 that Kath read out to us. I will speak of the wonderful things that God has done. If we were to share the wonderful things that God has done as part of our everyday conversation, do you think faith would rise? in our church because by doing that it's getting to know Jesus oh he's done that has he alright okay maybe he could do that for me oh wow he did that maybe I can believe God for that so we come to the word but we also hang around Jesus and around his disciples to be encouraged so we don't just gather on a Sunday morning because it's a thing we do on a Sunday morning we gather because we want to be encouraged do not give up the habit of meeting together but encourage one another more Speak of what God's done. Share what he's done in your life, the little things, the big things. When you meet up with someone from church, say, how's your week been? Feel free to detail that, but tell them what God has done. Speak of the good things. Psalm 71, so helpful, Kath, thank you. Um, Number four, keep our eyes on Jesus, not the waves. Verse 30. Should we just read that? Peter got down out of the boat walked on water and came towards Jesus, but when he saw the wind, when his eyes went away from Jesus and he saw the thing that could potentially topple him, what does it say? He was afraid and began to sink. Fear reduces faith. He was afraid and began to sink. If if you drive a car, there are many things you need to look at. You need to check the fuel gauge. You need to check things around you, window, mirror, signal, manoeuvre, all that monarchy. You need to keep your eye on lots of different things. You need to keep it on the eye of the kids to make sure they're not throwing something on each other or hurting each other back. You've got to keep your eye on many things. But if you do not look out the main window about where you're driving, you are going to crash. It's a very simple analogy. We've got many things to think about and keep our eyes on this life, but we're not fundamentally focused and looking at Jesus. Fear will creep in and will begin to sink. Number five. The testing of our faith provides an opportunity for faith to grow. Let's go back into verse 30 again. Peter's beginning to sink and he cried out, Lord, save me. Jesus, tell me to come, come. Eyes on Jesus, walks on water, sees the wind, begins to sink. His faith is eluding him. He's beginning to sink. He's in a crisis. What did he do? Does he start to swim? Does he start to run quicker over the water to try and get back to the boat? What does he do? He says, Lord, save me. He knows in the middle of a crisis, when it gets the most difficult, when he's about to fall in the water, he knows the words to say, Lord, save me. A step of faith, a walk and water, fear kicks in It begins to sink, but it tests his faith and his faith actually allows him to say, Lord save me. For some of you here, you might feel like you're literally in that moment beginning to sink. God I believed you for something but it's not happening, I was trusting you but it's not happening and it's a moment for your faith to be tested, for you to know your true salvation in every situation is Jesus. Lord, save me. Here's number six, and this is probably my favorite point. It's a very simple one. Peter is called the little faith by Jesus. And he is the very person to whom he says, Peter, you're the rock upon which I'll build my church. So I'm, I'm going to guess that most of us in this room feel like little faiths, oligopistoses, if you like. And that can sound like a negative thing. But what we see from this passage is that those that Jesus calls little faiths are those that he uses, those that he wants to use those that he wants faith to rise in so he can use them in the future. Peter, oh, look, get pissed at us. Come and leave my church. He's got a journey to go on. He's got other things to do, but fundamentally, this is the, the case. God uses little faiths. God wants to use you, and he wants to use me in exploits of faith in our lives. I have a few other things I could say, but I'm not going to say. I was going to give a few... I'll give you one personal example and a very superficial thing of faith working itself out, okay? 2022, the start of the year, I noticed that our TV wasn't great. Had some shading on the side, and when BBC iPlayer came up with a black background, it was particularly annoying. Not a big deal, not a massive deal, but I was like, God, I'd love a new TV. I know it's not a big deal, I could be happy without it. First world problems and all that sort of stuff. And we couldn't... We maybe we could have got some cash together to, to buy one, but we wouldn't really justify that because it's not a massive important thing for us. I just in that moment felt, felt in some way God saying, yeah, that's fine. You can have a new TV. I can sort that out. It wasn't an audible voice. It wasn't really clear, but there was that sense. Scoot forward to December. I'm like, okay, God, I felt like it was this year, but not much is happening. We start having conversations about Christmas presents and Jules says, well, do you fancy a soundbar for Christmas? I was like, well, yeah, soundbar sounds amazing. I love a great bit of sound on my TV. Looked into prices a little bit outside of budget for what would be a Christmas present between Jules and I. That's fine. We'll just leave it. of December now. I'm like, God, I think I heard you say that you would give us a TV. Can you, can you make that happen some way? I don't know how it's going to happen. If I've got it wrong, that's fine, but I think that's what you said. A couple of days later, I get a message, um, a WhatsApp from a neighbour going, I've got this TV to give away. Do you know anyone who wants it? I was like, yes, I do. Yeah, me. And so I went round to fetch it, and as I picked it up, he said, by the way, it comes with a soundbar. Are you interested in that? I was like, yes. Yes, interested in the soundbar too. Very superficial, very basic, but I think... It's kind of an example of what happens as we kind of chat to God about various different things in our lives. He begins to speak. We think we hear Him, heard Him, so we step out. God, I think it's this. I'm going to pray. I'm going to ask you for it. And He brings about those things. A reality comes. Right. I could share a few things, but we won't. I could talk about Psalm 127 and building in vain and that being not faith, but we're not going to do that. We're just going to come into land because I want a chance to respond to this we've danced around the new testament we've looked in this passage but hopefully in some way we've got hold of the importance of faith and known that even if we are little faith that god wants to use us and if we're in the room today i'm hoping that your faith has been stirred your desire to hear god has increased in order to have exploits of faith for god and this whole process relies on him not us he's the one who chooses to speak and raise faith he's the one who chooses to act on the back of faith and we get gloriously involved in this cycle we get gloriously involved in this situation and I believe God would just want to do that across a broad spectrum of areas in our lives so if you have said to God this area is not for you maybe you've not said it but you're realising it's a fallow ground nothing's growing there you've not let God in maybe faith needs to rise and faith needs to come into that area today If you're someone who just freely accepts the title of little faith, but that means you've written yourself off, God wants to increase your faith just enough for you to know that he wants to use you and give you even more faith to do the things that he's called you to do, I think we'll never feel like giants of faith. I don't think there'll be a moment when any of us think, I have nailed this faith thing and I'm going to step into this and do that. I've known moments of certainty, specific moments of believing God said that, he will do it, let's go for it. A real confidence. But broadly speaking in our life, there's a humility that comes with faith that says, I think this is right. I'll follow you, God, into this. Action coming on the back of faith. And for some of us, I think it's just time to get out of the boat. You've been in the boat, hiding away, in the safe bit. And God says it's time to get out of the boat. It's time to take that step of faith into a new area, to something different, something completely you've not done before. Right, we're going we're gonna to respond by singing, and then hopefully we'll get time to pray a little bit as well. So if the band want to come up and do that, would be great. If you guys want to stand, we're going to pray, and then we'll sing. Father. father god we thank you for your words we thank you for the story of little faith peter that encourages us who feel like we're little faiths to know that you want to use us for great exploits not because we're amazing but because you love to use people like us father if we're sinking today help us cry lord save us if we're hiding in the boat help us step out of the boat Lord, if we've made areas of our life fallow but not, by not inviting you into it, Lord, will you come and bring faith to those areas? We ask it in Jesus' name for your namesake, for your glory. Amen.